Slick Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Good morning, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. How was your weekend? Was it good? Praise Jesus. Uh, our weekend was pretty good, actually. I had a great opportunity to go hang out with my family, doing uh, some uh, light viewing. It's a big tradition in our family to drive around, look at lights. We actually count nativities. And so we know where all the pagan neighborhoods are. I'm just saying. We, you know what neighborhoods The ones without the nativities. We know where you are now. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> I'm only teasing. But we do count the nativities, and we uh, I can't remember what the highest number is, though. I want to say we only got to like 40 this time around. Uh, but we uh, had a great time doing that as a family. It's a tradition. We also did our, our Advent service project as a family. Do you have an Advent service project as a family? You know, my uh, my this is the inspiration of my wife. She did this many years ago, and we've been doing it for a long time. And it's such a blessing to be able to do this as a family. It was a little nerve-wracking this time around. Uh, because of the weather adding to the difficulty of the process, but but it's still such a grace and such a blessing to do. So I hope that you had an opportunity over the weekend to uh, to enjoy your time with your family, to do some something uh, pretty incredible. That uh, it's something we look forward to every year. But great program lined up. Good news, good news. Uh, Emily Alcaraz is back in the studio. I'm back and I'm alive. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Uh, so uh, pretty sick, I guess, over a couple days there. Yeah, I was luckily I'm COVID negative. I got tested. Um, and so it must have been just the flu. Must have been a bad flu. But I'm feeling much better now. And you finished all your, your finals. Yes. Fine. You won't believe this joke. My next class started on Friday, though. So I'm still in school. <laughs> You're, you started school already? <laughs> yeah. No break for Christmas? No, I, not for I, me. Speaking of pagans. Uh, no, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. So, well, praise God. We're glad you're back. We're glad you finished I'm the last semester, back. and good luck on this one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, well, it's good to see you back, and good to see you back healthy at that. And Fran Fawcett, our Volunteer of the Year, is uh, back in studio this morning giving us another hand there. Good morning, Fran. Good morning. Nice to be here. Thanks for getting up again early today. <laughs> you're welcome. Praise be to Jesus. On today's program, we're going to have Father Donald Calloway of the Marians is going to be on. So, going to be a great program today. He's going to talk about... St. Joseph. We all heard a couple, I guess it was a week and a half ago or so, uh, that Pope Francis announced there'd be a year of St. Joseph. And then we saw that it was a letter written to Pope Francis from Father Donald Calloway, handed to him, and we wonder, is that what triggered this whole thing? We wanted to know, so we invited Father Donald Calloway to be on with us to discuss that. That's coming up in this hour. Uh, before that, we're going to have Saint of the Day, the Gospel of the Day. What's concerning us is also coming up in just a little while. In fact, Michael Hitchborn, we tried to get him on last week. Uh, but something didn't work out, so we rescheduled him for today. So he should be on with us at about uh, 15, 16 after the hour to talk about his report on the CCHD campaign uh, just recently. So all of that in this hour. If you're going to join us in the next hour, we would certainly love to have you. Uh, we will have a, a new game show opportunity of fear and trembling with new prizes, in fact. It looks like uh, Rough to Rustic is our sponsor this week, so that's kind of fun. Uh, so if you want an opportunity, opportunity at winning some prizes, learning a little bit about your faith. We'll stick around in the next hour. Plus, Rex uh, Tio Dosio is going to be on with us. He's going to tell us the story of the miracle at Impel. 
It's a miracle of the Immaculate Conception hundreds of years before the church declared the doctrine, uh, the dogma rather, of the Immaculate Conception. So that's going to be a fun story. All that coming up today on Catholic Drive Time. Why don't we pray and get started? Let's, let's bring our intentions together, whatever is on your plate, whatever you're facing today, whatever challenges you, whatever your needs are materially, financially, spiritually. Uh, physically, whatever you must uh, ask and beg the heaven's intercession for, let's do that now. I'm praying for our team. I'm praying for our equipment. I'm praying for all of you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother, To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Eight elderly school sisters of Notre Dame died of COVID-19 complications in one week. Notre Dame of Elm Grove in Wisconsin is home to about 100 retired religious sisters. On Thanksgiving Day, the congregation learned that a sister had tested positive, despite the many precautions in place. Communities of elderly religious, along with nursing homes, have suffered especially in the coronavirus epidemic. The adult video site Pornhub has deleted 80% of its content after being exposed for profiting off of rape and sexual trafficking. A recent New York Times column prompted Visa, MasterCard, and Discover to block payments to Pornhub, stating this week that an investigation over the past several days has confirmed violations of our standards prohibiting unlawful content on their site. Pornhub announced a policy change allowing only verified users to post content, as well as disallowing the downloading of videos. The website deleted more than 10 million videos, or 80% of its content. As Pornhub is based in Montreal, the Canadian Parliament has recently requested that their CEOs testify before an ethics committee. A Catholic bishop warned Congress members that Nigerian Christians are facing a calculated genocide. Bishop William Avenya testified at a December 17th hearing of the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission, a bipartisan congressional commission on conflict and killings in Nigeria's Middle Belt. The the bishop said, How can one explain a scenario where as many as a hundred innocent and defenseless villagers are killed in one single attack and no one says anything about it? It appears that the system has not only permitted but is also aiding the enthronement of supremacist views of one religious group against the others. Christians and Muslims in Nigeria continue to face an increase in violent attacks by Islamic militant groups. Pope Francis has named a new bishop for the Diocese of Greensburg. The bishop-elect Larry J. Kulik, a 54-year-old canon lawyer, has served as diocesan administrator since September 15th, when he was elected to the post by the diocese's College of Consultors. The bishop-elect, who obtained a licentiate in canon law from the Catholic University of America, is a classic car enthusiast and an active supporter of Slovak cultural and fraternal organizations. Bishop-elect Kulik said, The two things that define the people of Western Pennsylvania, which were also crucial in my, my own upbringing and formation, are a strong faith and a strong work ethic. These are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. 
Praise be to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Emily, for that. Uh, St. Peter Canisius, pray for us, born in 1521 in the Netherlands. Very unique individual in many ways. Not only is he a doctor of the church, he was a close uh, confidant or friend of many of the saints. St. Ignatius of Loyola himself served as his spiritual director. St. Francis de Sales and St. Charles Borromeo both sought out his guidance and, uh, and input. Uh, but at the age of 19, he earned his master's degree, unlike Adrian Fonseca, uh, at 19. Could you imagine, Adrian? 19 master's well, degree. I, w- I would have done it. I just, you know, just couldn't. Work harder, I guess, is the answer to that. He did go on to get his doctorate, but was uh, it was on a particular retreat uh, that uh, he heard the preaching of St. Peter Faber that convinced him to become a Jesuit, and he joined the Jesuits. He was ordained in 1546. He would go on to teach and help to found Jesuit houses, but one day he was, I think it was in Austria, he was preaching a parish mission when he received a private revelation of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a private vision of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This convinced him that he should spend the rest of his life doing everything devoted to the Sacred Heart. And in fact, it motivated him so much that he went back to Germany and he preached to bring back the Catholic faith after the revolution of the uh, the Protestants in the early 16th century. He helped to restore Catholicism in many parts, especially in Bavaria. Um, he would learn, uh, he would go on to write a catechism that would be published more than 200 times uh, and in 12 different languages. In fact, his catechism was well loved for many, many, many years. He would also speak at the Council of Trent as a private theologian and uh, spend the rest of his life in a little town in Switzerland because he received another private vision or revelation, if you will, of the, uh, of the saint of that particular town, which happened to be St. Nicholas of Myra, uh, sometimes called St. Nick. You might even think of him as Santa Claus, but don't do that. Don't do that. St. <laughs> Nick is better, better, better. Uh, he would be canonized as the, and proclaimed a doctor of the church in 1925 by Pope Pius XI, dying, I think, in uh, 1597 there in Freiburg, Switzerland, of natural causes. St. Peter Canisius, pray for us. And your gospel today, one of my personal favorites, I think, for many reasons, uh, comes to from uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Mary set out in those days and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Ghost, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at that moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the reasons why I really love this particular passage is because of the parallels or typology you find 
in the Old Testament. I struggled as a convert to the church with Our Lady, the saints, the Pope. I, I struggled mightily with uh, understanding how Mary could be special. In fact, last night my family and I went to a Protestant uh, a festival of lights, it was a festival lights show at a Protestant church, and they did a little sh- a little children's uh, like a, a play of, if you will, where it wasn't really all that bad. You know, in their defense, it wasn't like they did a bad job. They had a beautiful nativity there. But when they described Our Lady, they described her as regular, quote, regular schmegular. <laughs> and I know what? that, unquote, they were talking about five-year-olds to five-year-olds. So I get that, you know, I understand it. But at the same time, it's like, no, you're missing this. And one of the things that taught me about how special Mary, in fact, really, really was, was the Old Testament typologies. I think on Friday, we talked about Mary being the Gibirah or the Kekaretomene, as the Archangel Gabriel addressed her in Luke's Gospel. The Gibirah comes from Solomon's mom in First Kings, right? When she enters his court, he bows to her, brings her the throne, right? You remember all of that, of course. Well, in today's gospel in Luke 1, 39 through 45, uh, we see a great parallel to 2 Samuel chapter 6. When King David goes to retrieve the ark, he goes down in haste to get the ark. And then we start to see these uh, parallels between Our Lady going to the hill country of Judah and, and David going to the hill country of Judah, to the, the purity of the ark in 2 Samuel 6 and the purity of the new ark in Our Lady. And abiding in the home for three months, just like in 2 Samuel 6, uh, so does the new ark abide in the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth in the hill country and, and uh, here in Luke chapter 1. And so what do we see? What's the takeaway here? Our Lady becomes the new ark of the new covenant. And ju- unlike the old ark, which was just a box laden with gold, uh, the new ark is pure. The new ark is immaculately conceived. The new ark also contains the word of God, the, uh, the one that is perfected, right? The one greater than Melchizedek himself, the, the, fle- the flesh taking on this uh, incredible opportunity to give us salvation, right? Christ coming to dwell among man, to give us his body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So we see all of this come together in Our Lady. And it should remind us that uh, in all of those Old Testament parallels, think of the the dirt under the burning bush that Moses approached and had to remove his shoes because how, how pure and sacred this ground had become. When Our Lady is present, it was in her womb that God himself took on flesh. So no stain of sin could be found because she would not be able to contain God himself otherwise. And it is a beautiful passage, and I love these parallels. So go back. Your homework assignment today, I think, is to read Second Samuel 6 and look for these parallels. Adrian, what do you got? Yes, yeah, so uh, I was looking at the same passage, obviously, and um, you took a typological path, and which is always a really good uh, thing to do, but I also wanted to uh, break it down in four points, because I like things to be very methodical, systematic. So, four points. Uh, why did Our Lady go, like it says, that she arose in those days? And so, and what is, why did she arise? And I want to break that into four points, so easy to remember. We got to go to break, so you got to be quick. Yeah, four points, easy points. One, to cleanse John from original sin and to fill the, uh, Elizabeth with the Holy Ghost. To two, to, to congratulate the kinswoman on her miraculous conception. Uh, number three, to uh, give a future generations a idea of humility and charity. And four, in order to uh, show haste that the Holy Spirit always moves in haste. So those kind of those are the four points to uh, remember. 
Wonderful. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, Emily, we, we didn't give you a chance much to, uh, to chime no, in today. No, that was beautiful. I we, was listening. <laughs> Got to go to break. We're going to come back. And Michael Hitchborn from Lapanto Institute is going to be on our What's Concerning Us segment today. Uh, we're going to be talking about this uh, Capital Campaign for Human Development report uh, that's connected to the election. I would love to say it's good news, but probably not. We're going to talk to him on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. Kind of drive time's coming back in just a couple of minutes. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart, an education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition, an education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you. Keeping you informed and inspired. The What's Concerning Us section today is, is chock full. I think $900 billion of relief is kind of a concern. Um, I'm really concerned about uh, vaccines being used to control the movement of people, freedoms, uh, re- re- religious liberties. I'm really concerned about all of that. And, of course, uh, the Space Force is now known as Guardians. That's kind of concerning. But, That's kind of uh, cool. But more concerning than that, I mean, Guardians, really? I served in the Marine Corps. The few, the proud, the Marines. Uh, the Gar- we, I think we could have come up with something other than the Marvel comic books. I'm just saying. All right, but joining us uh, by Zoom chat right now is Michael Hitchborn. He's president of Lepanto Institute. We tried to get him on last week. Uh, we had uh, we had a little bit of mix-up in the schedule, so we rebooked him for today. There is a, a story about the capital campaign for human development. Uh, unfortunately, it's not been great news since the inception of ca- the capital campaign for human development, but Michael Hitchborn's here to give us the lowdown. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Joe. It's uh, good to talk to you again. And it's the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. They call it the Catholic Campaign for Human Development. It uh, really is raising money, though, so capital may be a good Freudian slip there. There's nothing Catholic about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so what's the latest uh, report out that's in connection to the election? Sure. So back in October, uh, we put out a couple of reports showing that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development, one of its favorite networks of organizations to give money to, it's called Faith in Action, used to be called the PICO Network. Uh, and Faith in Action, we found, was actively involved in electioneering. They were uh, p- posting things on Facebook saying, hey, get out the money, uh, let's let's fundraise for this particular candidate, uh, let's, let's try and get uh, Joe Biden elected, we got to make sure that Donald Trump gets out. And on and on and on. So we put out this report 
and we sent out a press release and uh, a lot of people were very upset about it and rightly so. So they contacted the CCHD and said, what's this all about? And the CCHD kind of stonewalled and said, well, we're kind of looking into it. Somebody sent me uh, an internal memo that was circulated back in October, at the end of October, October 27th. And in this internal memo, it doesn't have, it doesn't indicate who it was directed to. I'm assuming it was to bishops and also to diocesan directors of the CCHD so that they can explain quote unquote explain what uh, the CCHD was involved with here and uh, it's it's chock full of of their oh we're a great organization we do all this wonderful work blah 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 but if you really read through the lines you can see the key points that they were trying to make and one is CCHD does not no so that's really key does not fund organizations that participate in partisan political activities. Wow. Well, if that's true, then why later on in this same memo do they contradict themselves and say, these allegations toward faith in action and many others do not reflect any systematic pattern of problematic behavior, but rather highlight a few regrettable instances of lines being blurred between faith in action's live free initiative and the black church pack, which is a wow. 501c4 organization. And it's so the memo itself is completely and totally self-contradictory because if CCHD doesn't fund organizations that are involved in partisan activities, that means zero. That doesn't mean blurred lines. That doesn't mean a few instances. It means zero. So it already automatically contradicted itself. But for it to go on and say that Faith in Action's Live Free Initiative has no formal ties with the Black Church PAC is actually a bold-faced lie. So we put out a video report going line by line through this memo showing exactly how Faith in Action absolutely itself was involved in political electioneering, how Faith in Action itself is formally connected to the Black Church Pack. For crying out loud, the director of the Live Free Project is a founder of the Black Church Pack. Wow. We're talking to Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute about the Capital Campaign for Human Development report. I keep saying a capital. It's a Catholic. <laughs> I don't know why. CCHD. Let's make this more simple. The CCHD. Unfortunately, kind of a rocky path, the CCHD. Kind of. I mean, uh, a lot of funding to organizations that we wouldn't love. I don't know. Michael, it seems rocket science. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist. I didn't even stay at a Holiday Inn recently. But however, it seems like we would just wouldn't give money to organizations that would be uh, anti-life, uh, anti-traditional marriage. They, I mean, we would just say we want to give money to organizations that will do corporate works of mercy. Praise God, we like that. Or even better, evangelization would be awesome. But why give money to organizations that seem so contrary to what we teach and believe? Well, that really is kind of the question du jour. Uh, the CCHD, in this memo, once again, says Catholics can be confident that the Catholic Campaign for Human Development does not fund organizations that violate the moral or social teaching of the church. Uh, except that when we started going through Faith in Action, we've got video of their leaders talking about how uh, they are actually pro-abortion, that uh, one of them, this guy, Bishop Dwayne Royster, who is their national policy director, is on video uh, at this big Democrat uh, campaign rally back in April of 2019, 
it was hosted by Planned Parenthood. He applauded his hosts. He called for a rousing applause from the audience wow. for the hosts. That's ridiculous. And on, and on top of that, he even went so far as to say, we are fighting for a women's a woman's right to have total autonomy over her own body, which we know that's insane being pro-abortion. Wow. So we know that um, we have reports that a sizable amount of the bishops are actually registered Democrats. So, Michael, do you Mm -hmm. think that they're aware of this connection? Do they know and just not care or are they unaware? Oh, they know. They know because I've told them because I've sent Mm. this report to every bishop in the country. They know. So where do we go from here? Uh, they've given money to this organization. This organization used it to push hard left uh, in to include uh, uh, trying to get uh, Joe Biden elected. Um, are we going to see? Are we ever going to see a change in the CCHD program? No, the CCHD has got to be scrapped. Uh, it was created specifically to raise funding for Saul Alinsky's community organizing groups. Um, it was it, it was originally directed toward fundraising for Saul Alinsky's industrial areas um, uh, foundation. So it's, it, it, it was rotten from the very beginning. There's no fixing it. It's got to be scrapped. I, it, it's mind boggling. Again, I can understand if they said, you know, we don't want to give money to organizations that will help uh, Donald Trump get elected. Fine. I would be okay with that. I could live through that experience. Uh, but to but to give money to organizations supporting the left, I don't understand that. Uh, but furthermore, even worse, to be putting politics completely to the side, we shouldn't give a red penny of anybody's donated dollar to any organization that would support the atrocity of abortion. Um, a woman's body? Uh, what, the baby isn't the woman's body. The baby has its own body. It's a separate body. Okay, so I don't understand yeah. that argument, number one. Number two, traditional marriage. Where Where is the defense for traditional marriage between a man and a woman in the holy sacrament of matrimony? Where is the defense of the family? Well, it's, it's just simply not there. Uh, once again, at the CCHD report, it claims they don't give money to organizations that violate the, the moral or social teaching of the church. Just a couple of weeks ago, we put out a report showing that the CCHD funded an organization that is actively involved in helping women who are in prisons obtain abortions. And we got that wow. information directly from uh, speeches that they had given in public saying, yeah, well, one of the things that we do is that when women uh, are faced with a tough pregnancy in prison and they, they don't know what to do, uh, we give them the information that they are not being given by the state mm. uh, with regard to how to obtain an abortion. All right, let me play devil's advocate for a moment, Michael Hitchborn. Maybe you're just being mean. Maybe <laughs> maybe you just don't like the transformative justice that CCHD is trying to accomplish. Um, maybe you're just fabricating the details. What do you say to that? Well, if I'm fabricating the details, then the CCHD could easily dispute them and show them to be false. But they don't. They never talk about the details. They never talk about the actual evidence that we put forth in our reports. Secondly... My motivation is the same motivation as the Catholic Church, which is the salvation of souls. So when it comes to defending the teachings and the morality of the Catholic Church, uh, we expect that Catholic money will go only towards those initiatives, which do not violate those principles. And uh, if, if what we were saying was false, the CCHD could easily sue me for, for uh, slander or for libel, and they have never, ever done that. Never once. And I've been at this for over 10 years. So uh, they could shut me down if, if everything I said was a lie or if everything that I said was a misconstruing of the facts, uh, if what I was doing was libelous. Uh, 
but they never, they've never done that. And uh, honestly, if I'm in the wrong and uh, they want to stop me from explaining the truth, they should uh, <laughs> sue me. Now, Michael, I've been following you ever since the uh, Catholic Relief Services expose. And thanks to that, we had a group of students at our university who fought to get that um, partnership off of our campus. Um, so that was great. Did you ever get a response from that? Did the bishops ever address that problem? Or to this day, are they still silent? So unfortunately, in the middle of our reporting on CRS, we had the COVID lockdowns hit. Uh. And the next thing I know, uh, nobody was talking about what we had reported on. Um, and the, I do have in my possession a, uh, a memo that was circulated by the current head of CRS, the, uh, the bishop head of CRS, that disputes our first report, but I don't have anything subsequent to that. I will be addressing what he said uh, in that first report fairly soon. I'll be doing a report on that, but um, I don't have any other formal responses. All right. Wow. We've been speaking with Michael Hitchborn, president of Lepanto Institutes, about the CCHD report. We've linked to the report, actually, on our live video feed at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Uh, but you can simply find it yourself by looking up Lepanto Institute, uh, lepantoin.org. Is that the correct uh, URL? That's correct. All right. Praise be to Jesus. Thank you for uh, reporting on this and staying after all the details. Uh, I can't imagine that's a fun job. <laughs> well, it, it's fun in the same way that a uh, an exterminator has fun going after termites <laughs> in the foundation. All right. Oh, well, gosh. praise be to Jesus, Mike. We'll have to have you back on soon. God love you. God bless you. And Merry Christmas to you. God bless you. And God bless your audience. All right. We're going to go Thank to break. You. We're going to come back. We have more breaking news and headlines with Emily Alcaraz, who's back in the studio after, uh, you know, being sick and dealing with uh, finals and all of that. So it's good to see you again, Emily. We're happy you're back. It's good to be back. Uh, Fran Fawcett's here, volunteering again, helping us out. We're so grateful to her. And, of course, Adrian is on the ones and twos, as I like to say, producing the show. But coming up after the breaking news, we have Father Donald Calloway to talk about the year of St. Joseph. What a powerful opportunity we all have to defend the family. Coming up next on Catholic Drive Time. What does the word apologetics mean? The word apologetics is derived from an ancient Greek word apologia or apologia, which means an apology. Not an apology in the modern sense of the word, which is to say you're sorry for something, but rather an apology in the ancient sense of the word, which is to make a reasoned defense of something or someone. In ancient times, the word apology referred to the case a lawyer would make on behalf of his client. So apologetics is about building the case for our faith, learning how to explain and defend our faith. Basically, there are three types of apologetics, natural, Christian, and Catholic. Natural apologetics builds the case for truths that we can know from the natural light of reason. Truths that are able to be known without any divine intervention. Truths such as the existence of God, the innate spirituality of the human soul, the objective reality of right and wrong. Truths which the articles of our faith rest upon and build upon. Christian apologetics, on the other hand, builds the case for divinely revealed truths. Truths that cannot be known by reason apart from faith. Truths such as the reality of biblical miracles, the divinity of Christ, the virgin birth, and the resurrection, to name a few. Catholic apologetics encompasses all of Christian apologetics since Catholicism is the fullness of Christianity, but Catholic apologetics tends to focus on those truths of Christianity that are not generally believed by non-Catholic Christians. Truths such as the Catholic Church having been founded by Jesus Christ, the papacy, the sacraments, the Immaculate Conception, and others. Again, the three main types of apologetics are natural, 
Christian, and Catholic. And in this course, we will be focusing mainly on Catholic apologetics, how to explain and defend the truths of our Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's great to be on with you. Don't forget, coming up here in just about uh, two and a half minutes, Father Donald Calloway will be on with us talking about the year of St. Joseph. And if you're joining us for the next hour, we'll have a great opportunity for uh, the game show, Fear and Trembling, giving out some prizes from the rough to rustic this week. And then plus, we'll talk about the miracle at Impel with TFP's Rex Teodosio. So join us in the next hour if you can. But now, breaking news and headlines with Emily Alcarez. Our nation's future is hanging in the balance because of the uncertainty over the election. Attending a lengthy White House meeting on December 18th was Overstock.com CEO Patrick Byrne. His takeaway is that President Trump's advisors, quote, want him to lose the election, and Byrne says those advisors are lying to him. Trump has not conceded the election, which he believes was stolen. Burns' words are in reaction to media reports that the president discussed declaring martial law during the meeting. Burns says that is 100% false. Attorney Sidney Powell, also at the meeting, disputes the claim as well. Your boss can order you to take the COVID vaccine, but there are caveats. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission issued guidance saying that Requiring employees to receive the COVID-19 vaccine does not violate the Americans with Disabilities Act. The convoluted ruling, in essence, says, if your religious belief, practice, or observance prevents you from getting the vaccine, then the employer has to provide reasonable accommodation for workers. However, if they cannot provide reasonable accommodation, they can't fire you, but they can say you cannot come to work. Bottom line, labor lawyers are applauding. The culture of death seems to be sweeping over Europe once again. A battle over euthanasia and assisted suicide is raging in Spain. Parliament advanced a bill that Catholic bishops decry as a defeat for all because it abandons those who suffer. Spanish bishops are calling for legislation improving palliative care. If the bill becomes law, possibly by spring, Spain would join Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and the Australian state of Victoria in legalizing euthanasia. Sky News reports, Portugal has approved legislation to legalize assisted suicide in euthanasia, but the practice has not yet become martial law. A sacred music album is topping the classical charts. As the pandemic loomed, the Schola Cantorium, the choir of the Catholic London Oratory School, scrambled to complete a new Christmas album in the week before the first nationwide lockdown in Britain. The Schola produced a sublime work featuring a sequence of music for Christmas, Epiphany, and Candlemas, the February 2nd feast of the Presentation of the Lord. Sacred Treasurers of Christmas entered the Billboard's charts in the number two position. The choir boys credit their numerous fans in the United States for the album's success. These are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus. Thank you, Emily. It's good to have you back in the studio. Good to be back. Joining us uh, by Zoom chat right now is uh, Father Donald Calloway. I was going to say the infamous, but really it's not 
him that's infamous. It's his beard. Uh, good morning, <laughs> Father Donald. Hey, good morning. Thank you. And it is morning. You know, I forgot. I'm in California. It's like 4.30 oh. for me. Wow. So I just woke up. I'm sorry if I look horrible. Uh, I was giving you East Coast times this whole time, but you're way out on the West Coast. So it's even earlier out there. Well, good morning to you. Thanks for getting up early. You betcha. Oh, honored to do it, brother. Uh, f- uh, the beard is looking good. I got. Let's get that out of the way. And now for the radio audience who can't see the beard, it's a big, full gray and bl- uh, black, like You're a dark out black if you can't beard. See it. It's, yeah. it's really salty. It's looking salt and pepper. It's looking great. Well, it's so long now. When I see people, I have to pull it up to show them my Roman collar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's why God invented the cassock. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying it out loud. But uh, no, we're talking about St. Joseph today. Of course, it was a pleasure to have you on over a year ago to talk about the release of your brand new book, uh, The Consecration of St. Joseph. And it was incredible. I was able to get a copy of it, and we actually consecrated our family before Ash Wednesday. And it was just in time because the chaos started at that point. But uh, uh, now we're here a year later, and the Pope has announced a year of St. Joseph. That's pretty short timing. That's getting a lot done and a very little there, Father Donald Calloway. How much of that can you take credit for? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I'm, I've been so happy lately. It's just off the charts. I'm so delighted with this. Yeah, I know that there were other people asking for this as well. Um, and I'm going to uh, kind of do a little lecture on that later on myself. But yeah, I, I wrote a letter last year that was hand-delivered to the Pope in May of 2019. Wow. And it was hand-delivered by a bishop from Argentina. So I think that gave me a little edge, you know, like <laughs> gave me an inside. And we have pictures of that bishop and the Pope holding my letter and talking about the letter, which was a request begging the Pope to declare a year of St. Joseph. So um, I don't know what part it played, but I know he got it. I know he read it. And I got the pictures to prove it. (laughs) (laughs) Praise be to Jesus. You know, um, I think it's St. Joseph has become more important to us um, for many reasons. Uh, But for centuries, I think he was um, underappreciated. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, He's been, you know, uh, in the background for a long time. And um, I think that's what God loves about him so much. He's so humble. And um, But now I think God is going to make him shine. I think we're going to see wonderful things about him. So why do you think that this has become the time for St. Joseph? Well, you know, I asked myself that question four years ago when I started this project of uh, putting the book together. I think because of the crisis in families, marriages, with more than half of all marriages ending in divorce today, it's terrible. Yes. I think the crisis in fatherhood, we've got uh, what many are calling a patricide meaning the killing of the fathers, you know, no more in families. And even in the church, you know, there's a real, um, we've had a lot of crises dealing with fatherhood, spiritual fatherhood with Mm -hmm. priests, bishops. So um, who better to go to? Well, the greatest of all fathers, St. Joseph. Yeah. So look at the pro-life cause. We have a lot of voices now, more and more every day, actually, um, standing up for life and and, uh, boldly proclaiming the need to protect life from conception to a natural death. And we give God praise for that. But it seems like there's fewer and uh, fewer voices that will stand up to protect the family, the traditional family, a man, a wife, uh, the the kids uh, in holy sacrament of matrimony. And... I wonder why that might be. Why is the family all of a sudden um, under such great siege, Father Donald Calloway? 
Well, I think, you know, the, the devil is not a dummy. I mean, he is, but he's, he <laughs> uses his angelic intelligence, his fallen angelic intelligence, to strike at the very root of things. So the family is the building block of civilization. Hmm. So if you want to watch the whole thing topple down and fall, go after fatherhood. Because if you can get fathers um, b- to become spiritually impotent, which is what happens when men become impure, mm. uh, allow p- things like pornography into their lives. Yeah. Destroys them. It destroys their fatherhood. It destroys the family. It destroys their leadership. Um, the devil's not afraid of them. And so that's what we're seeing today. And, you know, Sister Lucia dos Santos, right, the longest lived visionary of the Fatima apparitions, she said on one occasion the final battle uh, between good and evil would be fought over marriage and family. You can't tell me we're not living that out right now. I mean, people are redefining marriage. They're saying it's okay for two dudes to get married or, or two women. I mean, this is, this is madness, but this is what we're dealing with today. So we, we, we need St. Joseph on the battlefield big time. Yeah. I can't understate, understate this enough. I mean, look at the stats. Just this morning, I read an, uh, an article that in San Francisco, there were more drug overdoses than COVID-19 deaths. Uh, pornography is off the charts, right? I, I, we were, we were reading reports about Pornhub, uh, giving out discounts to, to uh, increase their, uh, subscriber base over the course of this year. And now we're reading about how they were, uh, implicated in a lawsuit because they were protecting videos that, uh, that had victims, actual sex trafficking victims in their videos. So this is now off the charts. Depression has gone crazy. Uh, suicides are up. I mean, there's a lot of very, negative effects and we're focused on covid19 where 99 plus percent of people survive it not that i'm not taking it serious not taking it serious i am but what i'm saying is in the order of priority everything seems to be out of whack um what can we say about that yeah no it is and this is the funny thing or, or, or the sad thing i guess you could say is there's two resets being attempted right now because that's a big word today right the the great reset mm-hmm. a yes. lot of global <laughs> elites are talking about and their version of it is very bad right they want to get rid of the traditional family they want to deconstruct everything so as to build back better that's what they say right yeah i don't think so because with the build back better <laughs> great reset they're talking about no bueno it's not good amen they're talking about basically destroying morality and 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 things that are common sense uh, and, and, you know, building blocks. Well, God, God actually wants to do a, a reset as well. Mm. Um, and it's by, you know, giving us, helping us to return to reason, uh, return to common sense and to the things that are good for society. And so there's a battle going on over this kind of stuff. And, um, we have definitely got to be on the side of Jesus Christ or things are just going to get worse. Now, how do we get St. Joseph into our lives? Okay, I, I assume you're going to say consecration, but how else can we invoke him on the daily? How can we um, get him into battle with us and with our families? Yeah, that's great. That's a great question. And um, I think, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do on a daily basis. You can um, get a beautiful statue of him or, or uh, 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 artwork on him and put it in your home in a prominent place so that you see it and as a family, you know, you're reminded of his presence in your life. Um, you know, you can do simple little things like when you pray the joyful mysteries of the rosary, for example, those are also Joseph mysteries. He was involved in every single one of those mysteries. Wednesdays 
are traditionally days dedicated to St. Joseph. And, and thank, thank goodness the, the, the Pope emphasized that um, in his uh, apostolic letter on St. Joseph, that a return to honoring St. Joseph on Wednesdays. I think that's wonderful. You can uh, say little prayers to him on a daily basis. Uh, simple little things like that. You can bring him into your daily life. We got to go to break. Hold that thought. Father Donald Calloway is our guest. We're talking about St. Joseph and the year of St. Joseph. On the other side of the break, we'll continue our conversation. Uh, so don't go anywhere. And don't forget, next hour, we got a whole another hour. If you're able to join us, we'd love to have you. We're going to have the game show Fear and Trembling. And I promise you'll learn a little bit, you'll have a laugh, and you might win some prizes. All of that coming up the next hour. But more of Father Donald Calloway and St. Joseph is next. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time. Be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that most modern philosophies are very dark and depressing? As G.K. Chesterton says, most people in our world today have been forced to be happy about the little things, but sad about the big ones. But that's not the way we were meant to be. We were meant to be joyful. Sadness is only an interlude. Praise should be the permanent pulsation of the soul. The Christian is able to deny himself immediate pleasures because there's great joy and fulfillment inside him. The pagan must constantly seek after pleasure because there's great sadness and emptiness inside him. Joy, which is the small publicity of the pagan, is the gigantic secret of the Christian. Let's share the secret. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Thanks. Give God some praise today. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. Father Donald Calloway is our guest for the next, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Father Donald, thank you uh, again for getting up super early today, all the way from California. I'd say sunny, but it's pitch black over there right now, I bet. (laughs) Exactly. Very dark outside. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about St. Joe's. By the way, tonight... Tonight is the uh, the night where Jupiter and Saturn collide in the sky and gives you one big bright show. So check that out. Hopefully you'll find some clear skies to be able to check that out tonight. But uh, St. Joseph, you know, uh, in your book, you quoted Mother Angelica who said, uh, old men don't walk to Egypt. And uh, that's one of the things I loved about your book on the consecration of St. Joseph is the defense of the uh, of the argument that says, St. Joseph was young, he was strong, he was virile, he was also a very holy and pious man who didn't feel like he was up to the task of being the guardian protector of the Gibirah and the Messiah, the uh, Christ incarnate. Um, maybe you can speak to that for a moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I know I would be concerned if, if I was asked to do it, I'd be like, wait, me? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so when he encounters this mystery... You know, some translations sometimes say that he wanted to divorce Mary, but in the book I show that there's a, a tradition that's very strong 
that says he didn't want to divorce her per se. That's that that language. Um, you know, even even um, in the when we read that gospel, a lot of translations don't use that word divorce mm. because you can say that he wanted to step away from quietly. He wanted to distance himself from the situation out of reverence. He felt himself so unworthy uh, to be, you know, given this mission that he, he, he needed to pause and, and take it to prayer. And that's when the angel came to him and said, don't be afraid to take Mary into your home. So the holiness of this man is extraordinary. It's off the charts, holiness, because of the great mission that he was given. So speaking of mission, if I'm not mistaken, the, the church still has the mission to evangelize the world. Uh, to go to the four corners and to make disciples of all of all nations, but I got to be honest with you, Father. In most recent years, it would seem that that mission has been sidelined or put on the back burner, or at least isn't spoken of. Um, and we're kind of stuck in this uh, sort of corporate like mode. Do you see that? And what's the antidote for that? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. We are kind of stuck in that mode where we just have endless meetings and wasting money on programs that don't do anything. Um, I think we've got to get back to a radical evangelization. And you think about it, St. Joseph was really the first missionary. I mean, he took the Christ child to foreign territory, pagan territory, when he took him to Egypt. So again, St. Joseph comes into play here is we've got to be bold. Um, And, you know, even the Pope says, talks about his courageous creativity, you know, as as totally as something Francis would say, but it, it, I mean, it's true on some level is we've got to be courageous. We've got to be creative. And so it's maybe forms like this, the me- using the media and all of its various w- resources and ways to evangelize people uh, and, and, and to be courageous about it, to be bold about it. And we need most importantly, most importantly, the leadership of the Catholic Church to be the ones to, to be guiding this, you know, um, and I, I think that's what we need today in a huge way. You know, I saw, I was just telling Joe, I saw a homily from uh, Cantius, St. John Cantius the other day of a priest who was brought to tears by the fact that the sacraments were being restricted. So what, mm. what, how have, um, how is St. Joseph uh, a model for priests and how can he teach priests to be courageous spiritual fathers in this time, which I imagine is so difficult when, when you can't provide your spiritual children with the, the, you know, the food for their souls. That is very tough. You, you nailed an issue there that's very, um, it's happening right now across the globe. Um, and priests are hurting because of that. We were ordained to do this. And so this is really, this is difficult for us. Um, and that's what I mean by we need the leadership uh, to be bold. If you've got to go up against secular people and say, look, no, uh, you're not telling us that we can, can not have our churches open. You can't cancel Christmas, as they're saying. What kind yeah. of nonsense is this, right? Um, we've got, we have to have that bold leadership and, um, sadly a lot today, we don't see it too often, but when we do, we recognize it and we're like, yes, all right. We got one who's calling them out and, you know, taking a stand. Um, we're with you bishops. We're with you, man. You know, um, just be bold, you know, for, for our Lord and for souls. 
It really does seem like there's a crisis of supernatural faith uh, in the church today among not just not not just hierarchy. Uh, right. I, you know, I can't just blame them for all of our troubles. That's not fair. Right. I mean, lay folks, I think, have plenty of responsibility here. We are living in a state of uh, of, of fear, of paralysis in many ways. I mean, I, I get concerned. I mean, look at the overreaction in some quarters of uh, mask mandates. You know, um, if you're not wearing a mask, oh, my heavens, you're trying to kill some. It's the, 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 your lack of charity if you don't take that vaccine. Uh, it, it, this, it seems like we're losing our, our peace. We're losing our charity. We're losing our ability to offer it up. I mean, Jesus himself uh, even uh, talked about in Matthew chapter 5, what credit is if you love only those who love you back? I mean, uh, we, we seem to not have dialogue. We seem to not have a zeal for souls, for salvation. We're more concerned about helping people live another 10, 20, 30, 50 years of, of earthly life. But where's our charity and zeal for their souls for eternity? Um, and I think of St. Joe Joseph, going back to St. Joseph, I think of him, you know, with Adam, his job was to cultivate the, the wilderness into the garden, to extend the boundaries of the garden sanctuary. Um, St. Joseph, as you said, brought our Lord into the wilderness and, uh, and therefore brought God himself to the people uh, and protected him the whole time and did so without complaint or, or at least not to us. Um, what, what lessons can we draw from St. Joseph for courage in these dark days? Yeah, well, I think again, I mean, he was sacrificial, you know, and he was willing to, um, to take a stand and, and to protect his family. Um, and he did it in ways that were definitely bold, that were challenging to him. I mean, if you think about it, going to Egypt, he had to live in, you know, pretty much poverty. Um, how was he going to be employed? Mm. The, they didn't know the language, all these kind of issues. That's that creative courage, you know, I think that uh, we need in a lot of men today. Um, for example, also, I love to tell people, you know, in the Holy Family, Jesus is God. Mary's a creature, but she's perfect. Mm. But whose role was it to lead the prayers in the Holy Family? I, no, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it was his responsibility. I think a lot of men today need to, to, to man up. And they need to be the ones leading their family in prayers. They need to be the ones, the men, who are, you know, challenging the culture mm. and talking to the leadership of the church and saying, um, please help us. You know, our families are not being fed spiritually. Open these doors. Help us to receive the bread of everlasting life, to return to the sacraments. You know, this is what we need today. And um, I think the men need to be the ones in a, in a huge way. Um, making this known, making this known to the, to, the, to the world and to the church. So Joseph was known for his silence in Scripture. How does that uh, balance with, with speaking out boldly? Because what went, like, how do they both play together? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for him, his actions speak louder than his words. You know, we know that famous axiom. Um, and it's not like he didn't speak. It's just we don't have any words. It's not like he was mute, you know. Mm -hmm. um, he definitely would have been, you know, doing things to protect his family, to guard his family. And that's where we get certain aspects from tradition um, that give us insights. You know, there's there's insights from certain mystics like uh, Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich or Venerable Mary of Agreda. They tell us about certain episodes that, um, you know, in their uh, insights and meditation, 
about how they were surrounded by robbers and bandits on the way to Egypt, which probably likely would have happened. Would St. Joseph have just stood there and, you know, dialogued about it? Oh, you're about to rob me and my wife and my child? Okay, let's, uh, you know, that's okay. No, <laughs> he would have stood up and he would have said, not today, you know? Yeah. I mean, this, that's real manhood. He wasn't some, you know, tree-hugging hippie just off, you know, singing kumbaya and group-hugging everybody. He was a man. And that's why we need those stronger depictions of him um, show him as masculine, not effeminate, that lily he's holding is not because he's weak, it's because he's strong. It's yeah. purity. It's a spiritual sword that stabs Satan. That's what men need today before their eyes in these images of St. Joseph to be able to imitate the great St. Joseph in his manhood. We're talking with Father Donald Calloway. He's a Marian priest. He wrote a book about a little over a year ago. It came out uh, called uh, Consecration to St. Joseph. There now, it is. Now, Father, uh, where, where can we get that book? Yeah, you can get it pretty much everywhere and right now. It's it's mm. hot. I mean, it's selling like crazy. But there's a website um, we designed where you get the audio book, the Kindle book, ebook, the actual book, consecration to Saintjoseph.org. And you don't spell out the saint, it's just S T. So consecration to Saintjoseph.org. Now, have you? Um, I imagine you've gotten tremendous feedback, especially given uh, of Pope Francis coming out with Year of Saint Joseph. So, congratulations to you! Thank you for uh, for putting this work out into the world. It's so timely. It's so needed. And God love you for your faithfulness. God bless you guys. Keep up the great work over there. You guys are doing good stuff for souls. All right, Father Donald Calloway, all the way from uh, the, uh, quote, sunny West Coast. God love you. God bless you. Have a great day, Father Donald Calloway. And uh, dear audience, thank you for hanging out with us this first hour. If you can join us in the next hour, we'll have that Catholic trivia game show plus opportunity for prizes all coming up. Plus, we'll talk about the miracle of the Immaculate Conception hundreds of years before it was declared a dogma of the church at Impel. So uh, join us for that fascinating and fun story coming up in the next hour. You can find us online at facebook.com forward slash GRN online or on YouTube or on Twitter. We'll see you then. May God bless you and may God richly love you today. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. What should I keep in mind when I'm trying to defend my faith? Well, number one, ingrain this into your psyche. The Bible is a Catholic book. The Catholic Church gave it to the world, which means there is nothing, nothing in the Bible that is contrary to anything in the Catholic faith, and there is nothing in the Catholic faith that is contrary to anything in the Bible. Always remember that. This is important to remember because a lot of times folks will quote a passage from the Bible that proves the Catholic Church is wrong. Whenever someone quotes your Bible verse that proves the Catholic Church is wrong on something, your response should be, Amen. I believe what the Bible says. As a Catholic, I believe everything the Bible says. However, I don't agree with your personal and fallible interpretation of that passage. And the reason you don't agree with their personal interpretation is because 100% of the time you're presented with a verse that proves the Catholic Church wrong, that verse has either A, been taken out of context, or B, the verse simply doesn't say what they're trying to make it say. 
Number two, and this flows directly from number one, the Catholic Church can be defended solely from the Bible better than any other Christian faith tradition can be. A good bit in the various Protestant faith traditions actually contradicts the Bible, so do not be afraid to engage non-Catholics in a discussion of the Bible. And number three, if you are ever asked a question about your faith that you cannot answer, don't worry. There is an answer for that question. You just need to go and find it. Simply respond, I don't know, but I will find out and get back to you. Then find out and get back to them. As Catholics, we need to reclaim the Bible. It's our book. We need to read it, pray it, learn it, and use it to bring our separated brothers and sisters back to the church. If you keep these things in mind, you have started down the road to being a very effective apologist for the Catholic faith. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. The Daily Mass is moving to the afternoon. Holy Mass has been a beloved component of our programming lineup for 20 years in the early morning time slot on the Guadalupe Radio Network. We are excited to announce that the 3 p.m. hour will become a holy hour, starting with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by sacred music or spiritual reflections, and concluding with the Holy Mass at 3.30. The Holy Mass on the Guadalupe Radio Network, every weekday at 3.30 p.m. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's great to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. How are you? I pray that your morning is going really well. Whatever you're facing today, I hope that God gives you grace to see it through. And Emily Alcrest is back in the studio. Good morning, Emily. It's good to be back, Joe. Good morning. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming in. I know that you were not feeling well for about a week there. Is that uh, all over and done with? Are you feeling good now? Yes, thank God. It was just the flu. I was tested negative for COVID, so we're still COVID-free. <laughs> still COVID-free. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, the finals are over. You're in the clear. Praise God. That's right. <laughs> but school started again already. Yeah, no. Like, I, no rest for the weary. Absolutely not. My la- As soon as the finals ended, the next day my next class started. I don't have a break this winter. <laughs> no break. That's no rough. Break. I'm glad I'm not in school anymore. Uh, Fran <laughs> is here as well. Fran Fawcett, who volunteered for us last week, saved the day. God bless you, Fran. Yes, you really were amazing you, last week. Thank you for coming in to get, again today. Well, I'm helping out peruse the news for Emily. Are you seeing anything out there in the news that's breaking? Any, uh, any news stories that we haven't covered yet so far in the last hour? Uh, whatever I've given Emily. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we have a crack news team now. I feel like it's, uh, it's really come a long way, so praise God for that. But uh, we're going to have more breaking news and stories here in just a moment. And then, of course, we have our Catholic Game Show, where prizes are involved. If you'd like a chance to win prizes, well, you have an opportunity coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, take this phone number down, and then when it's time, you can call it. The first caller is the one we take at 877. 
is the number to call for the game show coming up in just a moment. But uh, we just finished a great hour. We had uh, Father Donald Calloway on. Uh, If you weren't able to join us in the last hour, you can catch the podcast of today's show over on our website, uh, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Or you can check out the video, not only on Facebook, but also on YouTube. You can search for that. We'll upload. We're doing a live video there now, but we'll upload the hours independently afterwards so you can find our YouTube channel just by searching for GRN online. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share while you're there. But uh, in this hour, we'll have the game show. We'll have Saint of the Day and the Gospel of the Day. Plus, Rex Teodosio from the TFP will be on with us later in the hour to share the incredible story, the miraculous story at Impul. This is a immaculate conception story, but hundreds of years before it was proclaimed a dogma by the church. So that'll be a fun, uh, interesting opportunity to learn a little history today's program. Is going to bring you so much. So stick around for that. But let's pray and begin. And let's uh, draw our intentions together so that Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, might whisper them into the ear of her Son, that He may draw us ever so more intimately into His most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. Eight elderly school sisters of Notre Dame died of COVID-19 complications in one week. Notre Dame of Elm Grove in Wisconsin is home to about 100 retired religious sisters. On Thanksgiving Day, the congregation learned that a sister had tested positive, despite the many precautions in place. Communities of elderly religious, along with nursing homes, have suffered especially in the coronavirus epidemic. The adult video site Pornhub has deleted 80% of its content after being exposed for profiting off of rape and sexual trafficking. A recent New York Times column prompted Visa, MasterCard, and Discover to block payments to Pornhub, stating this week that an investigation over the past several days confirmed violations of their standards prohibiting unlawful content on their site. Pornhub announced a policy change allowing only verified users to post content, as well as disallowing the downloading of videos. The website deleted more than 10 million videos. As Pornhub is based in Montreal, the Canadian Parliament has recently requested that their CEOs testify before an ethics committee. A Catholic bishop warned Congress members that Nigerian Christians are facing a calculated genocide. Bishop William Avenya testified at a December 17th hearing of the Tom Lantos Human Rights Commission, a bipartisan congressional commission on conflict and killings in Nigeria's Middle Belt. The bishop said, How can one explain a scenario where as many as a hundred innocent and defenseless villagers are killed in one single attack and no one says anything about it? It appears that the system has not only permitted but is also aiding the enthronement of supremacist views of one religious group against the others. Christians and Muslims in Nigeria continue to face an increase in violent attacks by Islamic militant groups. Pope Francis has named a new bishop for the Diocese of Greensburg. 
The bishop-elect Larry J. Kulik, a 54-year-old canon lawyer, has served as diocesan administrator since September 15th, when he was elected to the post by the diocese's College of Consultors. The bishop-elect, who obtained a licentiate in canon law from the Catholic University of America, is a classic car enthusiast and an active supporter of Slovak cultural and fraternal organizations. Bishop-elect Kulik said, Two things that define the people of Western Pennsylvania, which were also crucial in my own upbringing and formation, are a strong faith and a strong work ethic. Your boss can order you to take the COVID vaccine, but there are caveats. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission issued guidance saying that requiring employees to receive the COVID-19 vaccine does not violate the Americans with Disabilities Act. The convoluted ruling, it as, in essence, says, if your religious belief, practice, or observance prevents you from getting the vaccine, then the employer has to provide reasonable accommodation for workers. However, if they cannot provide reasonable accommodation, they can't fire you. But they can say you cannot come to work. Bottom line, labor lawyers are applauding. China analyst Gordon Chang says Beijing was substantially involved in the 2020 U.S. elections on multiple levels. Chang described the Chinese Communist Party's infiltration of American elite circles as an espionage emergency. Chang has spent decades studying and writing about the threat of the Chinese Communists. Chang says, China tried to cause chaos through large Chinese networks relentlessly attacking the president on social networks. Chang says the Chinese Communist infiltration of the U.S. is not just colleges and universities. It's also prep schools, secondary schools, foundations, and NGOs. China's president says China has the mandate of heaven over all under heaven. Chang says we need to listen because communist China poses an existential risk to citizens of the U.S. And finally, it's being called the Christmas star. But actually, this great conjunction last happened in 1623. Even so, it's a lovely idea that this could be the star that the wise men follow to the manger in Bethlehem. Tonight, December 21st, is the winter solstice, the darkest night of the year. And it is tonight that Saturn and Jupiter will come so close that to us, they will appear as one. To see it, look toward where the sun set. About 45 minutes after the sunset, and with the naked eye, you can see this celestial event. Do not be afraid. This is what the angel Gabriel said to Mary, and perhaps what is being said to us today as we view this great conjunction. And perhaps it marks the darkest point, with the newness of life coming. These have been your mor Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. St. Peter Canisius, pray for us. Uh, born in 1521 in the Netherlands, but uh, a bit of a child prodigy, or maybe just in those days it was sort of... Uh, the norm, but he earned his master's degree from Cologne, Germany by the age of 19. Um, okay, that seems like pretty advanced, but I, maybe that was normal in those days. He would, he would go on to get his doctorate in theology. He also loved studying civil law and art, by the way. Um, however, it was a, it was a particular preaching at a parish or mission of St. Peter Faber that convinced him to join the Jesuits. And he, 
he would do that, being ordained in 1546. He would also serve to be a personal theologian at the Council of Trent. Uh, he, was, uh, he was well acquainted with many saints. St. Ignatius of Loyola himself became his own uh, spiritual director uh, when he was in Rome. He, of course, uh, knew St. Francis de Sales and St. Charles Borromeo and others who all came to him for advice. But it was when he was preaching, St. Peter Canisius was preaching in Lent in 1553 in Austria, that he received a, a private vision of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This inspired him so much that he would dedicate the rest of his life, all the corporal works he could possibly muster, uh, to offer them over to the Sacred Heart. And he would go into Germany and lead the Counter-Reformation, the Protestant Revolution, as you might remember, with uh, with uh, Martin Luther pounding his uh, his thesis on the door there. Well, it would be St. Peter Canisius and others that would lead the counter-revolution to bring back Catholic faith to the German people, and he was quite successful in the effort. He would uh, work in hospitals and, and serve the poor. He would help the sick and do all kinds of corporal works, but one of the things he's better known for is his catechism. So famous, so incredible was it that it would go through 200 printing editions. 200. It would be printed into 12 different languages. He would travel across Europe to preach the good, the true, and the beautiful through the power of the Catholic faith. And he did so until he got to Freiburg, Switzerland. When he was preaching in Freiburg, Switzerland, he received a private uh, revelation, if you will, of the saint of that town, which happened to be Nicholas of Myra. You might remember him as Saint Nicholas of Myra. Some call him Santa Claus, but I don't encourage that at all. Saint Nick does perfectly well. And because he was asked to stay, he stayed. He spent the rest of his days there preaching and writing. And in fact, when he died in 1597 on December the 21st, he died of a natural cause, but he did suffer a stroke some days before, left him partially paralyzed. He would be canonized by Pope Pius XI in 1925 and proclaimed a doctor of the church on the same day. St. Peter Canisius, pray for us. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Mary set out in those days and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth filled with the Holy Ghost, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. I particularly love this passage because as a, uh, a Protestant convert to the Catholic faith, I struggled with Our Lady. I struggled with uh, the saints. I struggled with the Pope. I struggled with some of the sacraments. But uh, for me, it was the Holy Eucharist. Once I became convinced of the Church's teaching on the Holy Eucharist from a biblical uh, and historical standpoint, I gave my fiat and I said, Lord, I, I believe, help my unbelief. And it took some time to overcome my difficulties with uh, Mary, with Our Lady. 
And what, this passage, and because of its parallel passage in 2 Samuel 6, I found such incredible insight. Have you ever seen, Emily, have you ever seen the parallels between 2 Samuel 6 and Luke chapter 1? No, not until you pointed them out. Father Brown, uh, a priest uh, and a biblical commentator uh, from years ago, he, he's one of the ones I discovered on these parallels. And of course, um, Scott Hahn, people like that also pointed them out, and I found them incredibly insightful. So when you go back to 2 Samuel 6, David is trying to retrieve the Ark of the Covenant of God, and he makes the mistake of doing what the Philistines did, and he put it on a cart. And it end up it end up, it ends up killing um, Uzzah. Then the ark goes to a house in the hill country of Judah to the Gittite, uh, and he he's actually proclaiming a blessing. How is it that the ark of God comes to me? And so we begin to see these parallels between the ark of the covenant and Our Lady in Luke chapter one. The bottom line being. Our Lady is the Ark of the New Covenant, and she is uh, more pure than even the box laden with gold in the Old Testament. And like the box, who contained uh, the tablet of the commandment, and a, pr- a piece of the manna, and the uh, the staff of Aaron, Our Lady within her womb contains the Word of God made flesh, contains the Eucharist come down from heaven, the true bread from heaven, and the very staff of his priestly order, uh, which is the order of Melchizedek, which would come to bless all the world would be the promise of Abraham fulfilled. And so, these these parallels, they're, they're fascinating to me, and they point to a greater truth in the New Testament. Nothing. Nope. Nope. <laughs> so I told you, what besides the parallels of, of 2 Samuel 6 could be greater? Well, there's a, there's a ton of things in uh, the past that we could talk about, but we're running up on the break, so I can give uh, four points that I have prepared to talk about uh, rapid fire. Uh, four points to take away. One, uh, why is it that Our Lady, uh, it says in verse 39, and Mary arose in those days? Number one, because the Holy Spirit filled her with, uh, with such vigor that she could not but get up and go. Number two, to cleanse John from original sin and to fill his mother Elizabeth with the Holy Ghost. Number three, to congratulate her kinswoman on the miraculous conception of John. And number four, to inspire future generations with an example of humility and charity. Uh, so those are the four things. And then we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to be going into the show, uh, to the game show. So if you want to uh, join the game show, that's 877-757-9424. And if you, uh, right now we have no callers. So the next caller, congratulations, you will be the on the game show. That's 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 is the number to call if you want to be on the game show. So here's how this works. I've got three questions three opportunities to win prizes all that coming up after this break the first caller at 877-757-9424 call right now and get you an opportunity to win the prize this week and we have some great prizes we'll tell you more about that on the other side of the break but call now if you want to get in on that 877-757-9424 we'll be right back blessed john paul ii once said As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military 
our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling, that Catholic trivia game show that gives you an opportunity to learn a little bit about your faith, have a nice little laugh, and possibly win some prizes. And Emily, it's good to have you back in the hot seat for Fear and Trembling. You're out a whole week. We made David Magianis fill in for you. Oh, how do you do? He did great, actually. It was a lot of fun. That's great. And the calls that were coming in last week were just amazing. So we're very excited to have another opportunity at this week's game. So let me just say how this works. We have three questions. I have them in my hand here. And if you're hanging out with us on on uh, social media, you can see them. I'm, I've got the questions in my hand. Don't but show them the answers. Three <laughs> opportunities. So every bright answer goes into a cup. We're calling it the Coffee Cup of Divine Providence. And and uh, so three right questions, three chances. One right question, one chance. That's how that works. And then at the end of the week, we draw out a winner, and that person gets a prize. Now, what are the prizes this week? So this week, our sponsor is called Rough to Rustic. They make um, home decor out of wood carving. It's so beautiful. And they're giving away, for because it's Christmas, they're giving away a Mary's Mantle ornament. It's really beautiful. It has uh, an image of Mary engraved into it. And so... wow. It'll be something that you can put on your tree every year. That's beautiful. That's amazing. So, Rough to Rustic, thank mm-hmm. you very much for generously underwriting this week's sponsorship, especially in time for Christmas. We're very grateful to you. So, now here's the kicker. The contestant does not even need to know the answers to the questions. Uh, no, because we don't ask the contestant the question. We ask Emily. We ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer. The other, a wrong answer. The contestant will have 15 seconds to decide who's right, who's wrong. They could even just guess. It's a 50-50 chance, and it's super easy and a lot of fun. All right, let's go to the phones. Uh, Jim, good morning to you. Thanks for being on the program. Good morning. Where are you calling from, Jim? I'm calling from Omaha, listening to the Guadalupe, Guadalupe Radio app. 
Uh, a first Omaha caller. Praise be through God. What is the weather like up there right now, Jim? Is it uh, 87 below and and eight feet of snow? What does it look like right now? It's about 28 degrees. It's going to get up to 45 today. Oh, it's a summer day. That's beautiful. <laughs> Praise be to Jesus. Hopefully you'll get some sunshine. It'll be nice. But are you are you excited about Christmas this week, Jim? Very excited about Christmas. Going to have a small gathering. Um, most everyone's going to... The family's already in town, just one of them coming in from out of town. And they've been uh, sequestered for the last 14 <laughs> oh. uh, Well, praise God. I'm glad you're getting together with family and friends. That's amazing. God is so very good. Are you ready? Do you understand the rules of how the game is played, Jim? I understand the rules. All right. Here we go. Uh, we're going to start with Emily uh, now that she's back in the office. Emily, are you ready? So ready. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Absolutely. Here we go. First question. Whom did Peter attack in the Garden of Gethsemane? Oh, okay. I know it was a Roman soldier. The only Roman soldier that I'm familiar with uh, is Longinus. Longinus. Yes. That's your final answer. Yes. All right. Adrian, just pop that down just a little bit for me. So Emily's on the board for Longinus as the person Peter attacked in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's try Adrian. Adrian, who... Did St. Peter attack when in the Garden of Gethsemane? All right. The person who Peter attacked in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, I know Longinus was the uh, was a centurion at the foot of the cross that pierced the side of our Lord. Okay. So I don't think it's him. No. I'm going to say it's Malachus. Is that how you say his name? Something like that. Malachus. That's what All I'm right. going for. Okay. Yeah, are you sure? Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> somewhat sure. All right. So Adrian is on the board for Malchus, and Emily is on the board for Longinus. Uh, it doesn't matter. It only matters what Jim thinks. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Jim, what say you? Well, I know this one. Adrian is correct. Malchus. Survey says... Wow! Praise. Wow! I can't believe you, you knew that. that. That's amazing. <laughs> Congra- oh my goodness! Congratulations, I the Jim. Of the Christ. Yes, oh, I was going to oh, say. Oh, Come oh. on. That was one of my favorite scenes in The Passion of the Christ. Thanks, Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, well done, Jim. Well done. You're already in the coffee cup of divine providence. You get two more chances. You're well on your way to a perfect score today. All right. So next question. We're going to go to Adrian this time. Are you ready, Adrian? Uh, I think so. I oh. hope so. Okay, here we go. What is the name of the devotion consisting of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, adoration of the faithful, singing of hymns, the priest's blessing, and resuscitation of the divine praises? Okay. The name of that mm. devotion. Okay, I'm going to go with the 40 hours devotion. 40 hours yes, devotion. 40 hours devotion. It's an ancient tradition of the church of praying before the Blessed Sacrament for 40 hours. All right. Let's see what Emily says. Emily, what is the name of the devotion that consists of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament, adoration of the faithful, singing of hymns, the priest's blessing, and resuscitation of the divine praises? The devotion is? That would be benediction. Are you sure? Yes, because when when you go to adoration, you have exposition, adoration, and benediction ties it all together. That's the technical term. All right. Uh, Emily is on the board for benediction. Adrian is on the board for 40 days devotion. 40 hours. Uh, 40 hours. Did I say 40 days? Yeah, you said 40 days. Let's That's Lent. <laughs> 40 hours devotion. Adrian, 40 hours. Emily, benediction. Jim, 15 seconds. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? This time, Emily is correct. Survey says... 
Yeah! Wow! You're good, Amazing. Jim. Already two wow. for two. He knows his stuff. Jim, have you been reading your catechism? I'm just curious. You seem very, very confident today. We have benediction every Friday at our chapel. Well, praise praise God. Jesus. What parish do you go to, by the way, Jim? Well, I go to St. Robert Bellarmine Parish in Omaha. Wow. Mm. I love it. St. Robert Bellarmine. Wonderful. Praise be to God. Okay, third question. Here we go. Emily, back to you. Uh, this is a, a, should be a fairly easy one, I would hope. Right, here we go. What was St. Peter's name before Christ changed it? St. Peter's name before Christ... Si- Simon Peter. His name was Simon Peter before. Right, because when he was a fisherman with his brother Andrew, he was called Simon Peter. Are you sure? This is Yes, this is my final answer. You're already very <laughs> confident. Adrian, what was Peter's name before Christ changed it? All right. So the only, the, immediately the first name that pops in my head is in Scripture, hearing it, hearing Kephos. So I'm going to go with Kephos as the answer. Are you sure? Uh, no. No. Okay. So Adrian is on the board for Kepha, and uh, Emily is on the board for Simon Peter. 15 seconds on the clock, Jim. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? Well, Emily is partially correct. His actual name is Simon Barjona. Very oh, good. Congratulations. <laughs> Jim is more right than all of you. I love it. Praise be to Jesus. I didn't even wait for the survey. It was just so good. You're right, Jim. Congratulations. Thanks for pointing that out. A bonus question. What does Peter or Kepha, uh, what does that actually mean in English? Do you know? means little rock. Little rock. I'm sorry, it means big rock. Sorry, rock. Rock, that's right. Congratulations, wow. Jim. You made a perfect score today. Three you, for three. You are in the four uh, for four. coffee cup <laughs> of divine providence. And our sponsor again this week, Emily? Rough to Rustic. Rough to Rustic. And they're going to get like a, it's a uh, an ornament? That's right. It's a beautiful Mary's mantle ornament that you can hang up on your tree. And what because is, Christmas lasts much longer than the 25th. Hasn't even started yet. Uh, what's the website for Rough to Rustic? That's going to be roughtorustic.com, and it's the number two. The number two. Well, roughtorustic.com, thank you so much for being our sponsor this week. And Jim, congratulations to you. We've put you into the coffee cup of Divine Providence three times. And I guess we'll pull the winner out on Wednesday, because Thursday and yeah. Friday oh, are, that's are right. off. Week so that means much higher chance of winning. Yeah, your chances have automatically greatly improved, Jim. Yeah, congratulations stay on the line, you. Jim, so we can get your uh, phone number. Thanks for being on today. Wonderful. Thank you. And I, uh, say hello to Toya. Say hello to whom? Toya. So I will say hello to Toya. Uh, thank you, Jim. God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, thanks for calling in from Omaha, Nebraska today. That's going to do it for Fear and Trembling. Uh, what a fun time we always have. Learning a little bit about our faith, having a little bit of a laugh, and giving away some prizes. It's a great time. But don't go anywhere. More breaking news is coming up next. And we're going to share with you a miracle story from Impel on the Immaculate Conception. All that coming up next. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and quickly falls asleep, even as their boat is amidst a huge, life-threatening storm. The text says that the sea was literally shaking like an earthquake. Imagine the disciples' fear as they awake, their master saying, Master, do you not care that we perish? Note that they wouldn't have been in this dangerous situation if they had not gotten in the boat to begin with. They are committed, no matter how big the storm. After setting sail in his boat of radical missionary discipleship, it can often seem that God is asleep or uncaring when we are troubled by the storms of life. 
The good news is that he is in fact always there and always ready to calm the storm when the time is right. Sometimes the storms are there to show us our total dependence on him and not on ourselves. Jesus, we trust in you. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Monday morning headlines. Our nation's future is hanging in the balance because of the uncertainty over the election. Attending a lengthy White House meeting on December 18th was Overstock.com CEO Patrick Byrne. His takeaway is that President Trump's advisors, quote, want him to lose the election. And Byrne says those advisors are lying to him. Trump has not conceded the election, which he believes was stolen. Byrne's words are in reaction to media reports that the president discussed declaring martial law during the meeting. Byrne says that is 100 percent false. Attorney Sidney Powell, also at the meeting, disputes the claim as well. Your boss can order you to take the COVID vaccine, but there are caveats. The U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission issued guidance saying that requiring employees to receive the COVID-19 vaccine does not violate the Americans with Disabilities Act. The convoluted ruling, in essence, says if your religious belief, practice or observance prevents you from getting the vaccine, then the employer has to provide reasonable accommodation for workers. However, if they cannot provide reasonable accommodation, they can't fire you, but they can say you cannot come to work. Bottom line, labor lawyers are applauding. The culture of death seems to be sweeping over Europe once again. A battle over euthanasia and assisted suicide is raging in Spain. Parliament advanced a bill that Catholic bishops decry as a defeat for all because it abandons those who suffer. Spanish bishops are calling for legislation improving palliative care. If the bill becomes law, possibly by spring, Spain would join Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and the Australian state of Victoria in legalizing euthanasia. Sky News reports Portugal has approved legislation to legalize assisted suicide and euthanasia, but the practice has not yet become law. China analyst Gordon Chang says Beijing was substantially involved in the 2020 U.S. elections on multiple levels. Chang describes the Chinese Communist Party's infiltration of American elite circles as an espionage emergency. Chang has spent decades studying and writing about the threat of the Chinese Communists. Chang says, China tried to cause chaos through large Chinese networks relentlessly attacking the president on social networks. Chang says the Chinese Communist infiltration of the U.S. is not just colleges and universities. It's also prep schools, secondary schools, foundations, and NGOs. China's president says China has the mandate of heaven over all under heaven. Chang says we need to listen. 
because communist China poses an existential risk to citizens of the U.S. And finally, it's being called the Christmas Star, but actually, this great conjunction last happened in 1623. Even so, it's a lovely idea that this could be the star that the wise men followed to the manger in Bethlehem. Tonight, December 21st, is the winter solstice, the darkest night of the year, and it is tonight that Saturn and Jupiter will come so close that to us they will appear as one. To see it, look toward where the sun sets, about 45 minutes after the sun sets, and with the naked eye you can see this celestial event. Do not be afraid is what the angel Gabriel said to Mary, and perhaps what is being said to us today as we view this great conjunction. And though it marks the darkest point, it also signals hope and the newness of life that is coming. These are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily. Uh, it's good to have you back in the studio. Uh, by the way, if you want to catch the previous hour or part of the shows here and there, there's plenty of places to do that. Our podcast is a great way to do that. Just search for us or go on our website, Guadalupe Radio Network's website, grnonline.com grnonline.com forward slash cdt and you can find the podcast our youtube channel is also a very good place to do that plus facebook and twitter all of that search for us at grnonline uh joining us right now is uh, a member of the tfp tradition family and property rex uh is joining us to tell us about the marvelous miracle of impel uh, which is a part of the 80 years war in the 16th, 17th century. Good morning, Rex. Thanks for being a part of our program today. Good morning, Joe. Thank you for having me. Before we jump in, uh, make sure I understand how to say your last name properly. Is it Teodosio? How do you say your last name? Think Spanish. Okay. Teodosio. Teodosio. Yeah. Teodosio. There you go. I yeah. was so close. I mean, to mess up your name like that <laughs> well, is rude. I'm well, so we, sorry. It's anglicized. We say Teodosio. Yeah. Teodosio. Teodosio. Oh, praise be to Jesus. Well, Rex, this is a story Thank that you. I was unfamiliar of, and I love Catholic history. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of all things Catholic history, and we just celebrated the feast day of the Immaculate Conception. And so mm-hmm. this takes place hundreds of years before mm-hmm. uh, it was officially proclaimed a dogma of the church. Tell us the story of the miracle of Impel. So a friend of mine from uh, from Netherlands actually, uh, you know, posted it on Facebook. So I found the story so in, so interesting that I I actually looked it up, and next thing I knew, I spent the whole day just researching, watching videos and everything. And but the the whole the whole thing was so marvelous to me. Mm. Um, but so what happened? Do you want me to tell the whole story from the from the beginning of? The battle, or just the part where the give us the background, found... give us the context of what was going on. We're going to be going to a break, probably the next six or seven minutes. So maybe in that time, you give us the context, and on the other side of the break, we'll talk about the implications. Okay, so basically, the background, like as you mentioned, is an eighty years war in the middle of eighty years war. Um, so the uh, the authority of the of King Philip II was being challenged in the Netherlands. So there's like seventeen states. They weren't called the Netherlands back then. There were just 17 provinces that mm. just kind of united together. And oddly enough, you know, part of the background is that many of these 17 provinces became Protestant. They was around wow. the Protestant revolution. And so a lot of, for, for some reason, a lot of the Netherlands um, went Protestant, you know, so Lutherans, Calvinists, and what have you. And so at a certain point, um, you know, uh, 
1566, there was like a huge uh, iconoclast fury that they called. So where the Protestants just turned violent, uh, they raided churches, they just vandalized churches, taking down statues, destroying pictures and, you know, uh, monasteries and convents were, were looted and burned and dis- destroyed stained glass windows knocked in mm. you know the whole thing you know so they went from city to city and that's the first sign that the uh, the catholics realized you know what um protestants is it's not a peaceful movement you know it's not a peaceful legal movement they are turning violent and very anti-catholic wow and so then this is where we presume where the statue uh the image started is that um, maybe during this time, someone took the image, either tried to destroy it, or maybe it was some faithful that decided, you know what, it's better to bury this for future generations to find. And then, you know, at least it won't be destroyed or burnt by the Protestants. So, uh, so they did. You That's know? amazing. So that was 1566. So our story is like 1580, 85. So we're all in 19 years later. Um, so December... December 4th, December 5th, there's a troop of Tercios that separated from the, uh, the main part of the Spanish infantry. So they were uh, told to take over an island and then station there for the winter. Mm. Now, winter in, in the Netherlands is not very harsh, you know, for the most part. It's not like I, I live in Wisconsin, so some winters <laughs> here are very harsh. Yeah, you know, like, 30 below, freezing. It was, it was uh, negative. Uh, this will surprise you. It's like one one evening I, I got out, checked my temperature. It was negative 60 below <gasps> zero. Negative 60, oh, six zero. <laughs> that sounds so impossible. It's not. Oh, so Netherlands goodness. is not like that. You know, Netherlands so would probably be more akin to maybe... a lot of snow, a lot of ice, you know. Would the Netherlands um, be more like Seattle so they, possibly? Uh, they, took over the, they took over the island. They presumed the inhabitants would be friendly, but the inhabitants actually turned against them. So... They fled with uh, with their livestock and you know a lot of their provisions and everything. So the the soldiers kind of left on the island, um, commanding the island without any food, you know, because they were relying on local farmers. Um, so the, the it's called the Netherlands for a reason. So lowlands, you know, so uh, Netherlands means lowlands. So the uh, most of ne- of of the Netherlands is below sea water. Mm. The level is actually below seawater. So uh, the captain, Captain Bobadilla, uh, Don Francisco de Bobadilla, he, he saw the importance of the, of the dikes. So he sent people, soldiers, to guard the dikes. He saw that that was a crucial part. And so the Protestants, they saw the importance of it too. But up until then, you know, warfare is somewhat civil. You don't, you know, you shoot, you counter, you know, counterattack and everything. But you don't destroy a whole land, you know, just to win a battle, which is what they did. So they broke the dams, the dikes, and the waters just flooded. So up until then, the Spanish forces, the terraces, incredible fighting force, um, they were resisting the advance of the uh, the Dutch, and then, uh, but they couldn't withstand the flow of the river. All of a sudden, the river just started rushing forward and mm. just took over their camp, just wow. swept their supplies away, and the. Uh, Bobadilla says, there's no way you can, you know, stand against nature. So he ordered his troops to flee to higher ground. And this is where Empel is. It's called a hill. The hill of Empel is in the island of Bramo. Uh, so 
In the south is the uh, the, the River Meuse, the, the famous Dutch river. Um, and then, so it was all of a sudden, within minutes, the whole island was flooded, except for the top part of Empel. Um, the whole island is about 22 miles by roughly eight miles uh, long, uh, high or wide, and then 22 miles long. Mm. So the, uh, the, the top of uh, Empel, we presume, would have been maybe four miles long, you know, so by, you know, very narrow at that point. So on the other side, the Dutch had a lot of ships. They had 200 ships come in. So they had surrounded the island, formed the siege, and cut them off from any, you know, from, from any reinforcements or supplies coming in. And they're, so now you can imagine they're on top of the island and they're sustaining fire from all the ships from all around them, you know, gunfire, cannon fire, what They're surrounded. You. And, you know, just, it was just a desperate thing. They didn't have food. They didn't have, you know, their supplies are running low because they got swept away in, in the camp. Uh, they were very cold, especially at night. So that led them, uh, so that's the fifth and then the sixth. So it was getting so desperate. And this is one of the things that I liked about the story a lot is that they were getting so desperate that the soldiers were suggesting to the uh, to their commander Look, look, we're we're gonna lose. It's better to die by our own hands <laughs> than to fall into the enemy hands. Amen. Wow. I think it's like, are they thinking suicide? And that's you know, and a lot of the history books were saying that they're that's how desperate they were. And well, hold that thought, Rex. I need you to hold that thought. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna be right back with more from Rex Theodosios of the TFP, uh, talking about this miracle at Impulse. So the story is linked up at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. We'll be right back with more of this incredible story. Don't go anywhere. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. We have okay. got some good news. Um, the new version of the Guadalupe Radio, Radio Network app is out now. The new version offers big improvements with Everything even more on the way. the way. You'll be able to find and listen to your station no matter where you are and switch between our English and Spanish stations with ease. Missed your favorite GRN show? You can find all past episodes as podcasts on the app. To download or update the app, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It's good to be on with you. We're talking with uh, Rex Theodosius from the TFP about a story I'm sure most of us haven't heard before. It's called The Miracle of Impel. 
and has a connection to the Immaculate Conception uh, hundreds of years before it was proclaimed the dogma of the church. And uh, we last left off before we had to go to break. Rex was telling us the backstory of how the Spanish were fighting the Dutch and they were completely surrounded by the enemy uh, at Imp on this little island hilltop of Impel. And Rex, uh, we have about uh, 10 minutes before we have to say goodbye. Um, where can we go from there? How is this story connected to uh, Immaculate Conception? Uh, unmute. I think he's muted. muted. Rex, are you there? I still can't hear you, but if you can hear me, I'll, I guess I'll continue on. Yeah, please do. Rex, can, if you can continue, that'd be great. Rex Theodosius, go ahead. We're having some technical difficulties with Rex. Uh, let me just uh, read a little bit of this article. Maybe that would just be easier. But essentially, uh, the uh, the Spanish were were being bombarded with uh, cannon fire, and they were being surrounded on all sides. And uh, the, uh, they were expecting a major attack on uh, uh, from the Dutch, and things were getting very desperate. They were out of food, they were out of ammunition, they were they were really getting down to the point where they knew that they were going to die. Uh, Rex, if you can begin to hear me, you're welcome to jump in at any time. Uh, but uh, the attack that they were thinking was going to happen that would wipe them out never happened. Uh, in fact, um, the the Dutch took advantage of their naval superiority and they struck quickly and took control of several key positions, and they cut off the Spanish from aid, plunging them into even deeper despair. On the 7th of December, an unusual thing happened while waiting for the attacks. The troops fortified their positions by digging ditches all around them. One soldier uncovered an oil painting of the Blessed Virgin on wood. This is the image that Rex was speaking of before the break that had been buried for some 20 years. Um, this was a beautiful thing. So they were digging these ditches to dig right, in. So it says, so I just got a message saying jump in when I'm ready. Yes, uh, go so ahead. I'll just continue on. Thumbs up, okay. Um, so that's where, that's how desperate they were. So they were all surrounded. They were right on highlands and open sight of the ship's fire, uh, gunfire, and what have you. Plus, you can imagine, you know, putting yourself in their shoes. So um, I, I remember hearing stories about Navy SEALs, you know, being in the waves and then just most of the people that quit in the Navy SEAL tri trials and the hell week is because of the cold waters that just washes over them. There's something about the cold, the persistent cold that just um, saps the energy of fighting men. Uh, and these are Navy SEAL, you know, um, perspectives. Um, but the same thing, you know, with this. So, Bobadilla's force had uh, the Tercios, they had about 3,000 to 5,000 people, and they were just running out of morale. No food, very cold, wet all the time. And, you know, you can, you can't, they can't make any fire because there's no wood on top of the hill. Um, so, it was just a desperate situation. And then they're sustaining fire from all sides. So, you know, next thing you know, every minute, you know, one of your, your, your buddies are just dying right next to you. And so, they, um, it was a desperate thing. So they were actually digging in the dirt to make a barrier, a dirt barrier in front of them. So they would be less susceptible to gunfire and to the wind. Because there was like a wind coming in at night, especially. Um, and the, uh, so it was then that one of the uh, soldiers just was digging in the dirt and then boom, just found a piece of wood and dug it, pulled it up. And it was this beautiful picture of 
uh, the Immaculate Conception. It was a painting on wood. And the, the, the way they describe it is marvelous. It says, yeah, it's as if it had just been painted. And so the colors were so vibrant and so incredible that it lasted in the dirt, you know, for so long. We presume since the iconoclast fury, you know, so at least 20 years, um, 19 years. So he called everyone pretty soon. All the soldiers were gathering around it. Next thing you know, they had, uh, priests had come, they cleaned it up, and they held a procession, you know, taking this, the image to the chapel. And that turned the tide. It wasn't so much that they had more bullets. It wasn't so much that they had more food or more warmth. It was just the presence of Our Lady all of a sudden gave them the courage to, to start fighting back. And so they, uh, on that day, they received a, uh, a note from the, uh, from the commander, Count Hollock, uh, the, the Protestant commander, offering honorable surrender. So they can literally leave with their arms and then, you know, go back to the Spanish, uh, rejoin the Spanish forces. And then they said, no, we would... Um, the, the Spaniards prefer to die than to uh, than dishonor. So we can talk about surrender after we die. Mm. That's their response to Count Hollock. And so, but that's how encouraged they are from a state of despair where they're thinking of suicide. And now you have this opposite side where they're, you know, they're saying, yeah, we'd rather die. Wow. And so the, that morning, that very morning, a cold, just a freeze just passed over. Uh, that part of Holland, and it was so cold that the water started freezing the ships in place. So Bobadilla actually at, you know, uh, ordered the ships to retreat to port because he was, he was afraid that they would freeze in place. But still some, some, some kept the, the, uh, the siege, so that some boats were still there. So sure enough, that morning, the waters, the, the waters were so frozen that the Spaniards just went in charge on top of the ice. And I found that, I know, I, there's something about that that I found so marvelous. You know, that Our Lady froze the water just so the Spaniards can attack. And wow. there's this one beautiful painting. Um, I don't remember the name of the painter, but he's, he's a modern painter, but he does a lot of Spanish his, historical paintings. And he, this uh, portrayal of the uh, the Empel miracle, the Battle of Empel, uh, where the ships are frozen in place, and you can see the terraces with, with siege ladders just leaning on the uh, the ship, and they're wow. they're climbing up with uh, torches. It would fly, you know, tor- put the you know, ships into flame just in case it warms up, and then they get loose again. You know, they'll be, they'll be burned. So the the Protestants stuck in place. They can't, you know, they only have like cannons and everything on the ship. So they all jumped off, jumped ship, and then ran on top of the ice. You know, running away from the Spanish terraces. So. The, uh, so it was a, it, a beautiful miracle. So that day on, uh, that same, very same day, the Terracios adopted the Immaculate Conception as their patroness. And wow. then also the uh, years later, the Spanish infantry also adopted the, the uh, uh, so we're talking almost 250 years. Uh, I didn't really do the calculation before it was proclaimed as a dogma. 340 340 years before uh, it was proclaimed an official dogma of the Church, Pope Pius IX would declare the Immaculate Conception a dogma of the faith. And uh, this is an incredible story. I mean, I think this freezing of the ice is one of the most incredible uh, stories that I've heard in a very long time. It's very uh, much reminds me of the Battle of Lepanto. 
Uh, Rex, I don't know if you can hear us. You were struggling to hear us before, so we were having some trouble communicating with you. But uh, this has been a great story, um, The Marvelous Miracle of Impel. And we have linked to this story at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Just look for the live video of this. Um, but uh, we're going to say goodbye because of the uh, of the uh, technical Sorry problems that we are that. suffering right now rather than try to uh, continue on that way. Rex Theodosius from American Society of, for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property. God bless you. God love you. And have a great Thank day you. to Thank you. Thank you, Joe, for having me. And uh, have a good and yeah, enjoy the story. And just to end up, the uh, so this, the, the image was later taken to a chapel, Catholic chapel, uh, which was bombed during the Second World War, and it's the remains oh. were taken to uh, another church that's close by uh, to Empel, and mm. uh, where it resides today. So one of my dreams, it, I've never wanted to go to the Netherlands, not because it's not beautiful from there, but I w- do want to visit there and see the uh, the image for myself. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much, Rex, for being on and sharing that story with us. We're so grateful to you, TFP, there. we've Again, we've linked to that story uh, over at uh, GRN's live video feed today, facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Ever heard of that story, Emily? No, and I was confused about the spelling. So for our listeners who can't see, it's E-M-P-E-L if you want to look that up. Yeah, and uh, Adrian, uh, thanks for setting that up. But the technical, it's it's not easy producing a show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not sure what the problem was. I think it sounds like he could hear us at the end, but I don't know what happened at the beginning. <laughs> There's always something. Always, always something. Always something. <laughs> yeah, pray for us, dear listener. Please pray for us. Always, always something. But, you know, we have a, a, a great... Uh, week lined up for you. Now, Thursday and Friday are going to be no-show days because we have special programming across the Guadalupe Radio Network side uh, for Christmas. Praise be to God for that. But this week, we're going to, in fact, I'm looking forward to the 23rd in particular. We have a special guest that's going to be on our first hour just to defend the Christmas Day, uh, December twenty fifth. You know, in uh, you might run into this conversation at the office uh, among friends or family members, neighbors, even that'll say, "Oh, the church made December twenty fifth to take over a pagan holiday and and to impose Christianity." Is that true, or, or or possibly, possibly, is there evidence, historical evidence, uh, for the date of? December 25th being the actual birth date of Christ. We're going to have that conversation on the 23rd. Looking forward to that. What else is coming up this week, Adrian? Absolutely. We have uh, uh, Eric Sammons coming on to talk about the old evangelization. We always hear about the new evangelization, but <laughs> what about the way Jesus did it? How, how, was, how, was that, how was that done? So we're going to talk to him uh, tomorrow, actually, so on the second hour. All time. that, all that, plus more game show action. Uh, so it's a lot of fun to learn the faith, to have a good laugh. And to give out some prizes, and this week's uh, sponsor is, uh, uh, what's it, Rough, rough to, to Rustic. Rough to Rustic. Mm-hmm. Ru- rough to Rustic. Easy for you to say. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining Catholic Drive Time today. We're so very grateful. We had a great time talking with Father Calloway, Michael Hitchborn, and uh, Rex Theodosius. Uh, even though uh, the technical problems persisted, we still had great conversations today. We encourage you to check those out on our podcast feed at grnonline.com forward slash cdt or you can check us out on youtube twitter and on facebook i post to parlor all the time you can search for me joe mcclain over there to search for at catholic hack god love you god bless you we'll see you right back here 6 a.m tomorrow morning on behalf of emily adrian myself and all the rest god bless you we'll see you then thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time 
where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.